my tiny corner of nowhere, there's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the oasis. Welcome back, everybody. We're Matt and Bob. We're here to pod. Hey. Talking Ready Player One, uh, a little bit of Barry's, the, the new show on HBO. And this is our analysis. Welcome, Matt. Bob's hey. on the air. Take yeah. it away. Hey. Hayes, what does your avatar look like today? He's got a little nice little <laughs> avatar going. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I just I just switched up my costume. Okay. Uh, up, upgraded into a what the X two hazmat suit or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you probably had a nice flowing uh, lock of blonde hair, maybe a couple earrings up the side, maybe a uh, a Chinese tattoo going down the back of your spine to uh, oh, yeah. in your original avatar. And now you've switched up into a uh, a more retro uh, brunch waiter type outfit as yeah, your disguise. Yeah, exactly. That's my disguise, my, my Clark Kent disguise. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you know, when, once you level up, you get this cool new shit. You got to impress the chicks with uh, updating your avatar. Exactly. Maybe a nice tiger uh, tattoo across your back. So, anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. Ready Player One, man. Yeah. Tops um, at the box office the last two weeks. Uh, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by this little-known uh, director, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, he he's an up and comer. Yeah, Make, making um, a name for it, himself. His best opening in I think a decade. Really, uh, he's been doing a lot of yeah. I think uh, uh, it's his best opening weekend since Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, hmm. which did over a hundred million. Uh, and this is uh, I think it settled in about fifty last I checked. Okay, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you know he's been doing Munich and Bridge of Spies, post. And the, you know the post, uh, little art house stuff. But I guess he's back with the blockbuster. Uh, How do you think he did? I so here's the thing. Knowing what you know about me, how do you think I took this movie? <laughs> Just a shot out of a cannon. I, 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 uh, you think I gave uh, him the Joaquin but, Phoenix thumbs up or thumbs down? I think I think you had it hanging on the nails. I'm banging on the nails. <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, I would consider it a joyride. Uh, I was completely swept up in the nostalgia. I found it just uh, kind of... I, I could turn off the brain for a little bit and just kind of take in the atmosphere. I went to see this in IMAX 3D. Uh, I really yeah. think it heightened the experience for me. Uh, I for Especially for us being guys who run a pop culture podcast slash movie turd sometimes gaming i know you're a big gamer so i'm gonna be very interested to see how your take of the uh video game to movie uh, atmosphere played but i really had just a ton of fun with it uh and i thought it was kind of heartwarming and compelling in in a few different ways how about yourself yeah, I, I agree that it was a lot of fun. I think that the I think honest, um, first of all, IMAX and 3D is probably the way to go. Yeah, um, th- there's a, there's a few movies where it's like you know, like Gravity or or anything Avatar, by, anything by a, a Nolan. You're like ah, uh, or or even Paul Thomas Anderson where they always they always shoot in seventy yeah, millimeter. Seventy millimeter. You kind of want to you want to see it in those formats. Um, and you're like it, like the the Michigan the Mission Impossible movies. I feel like are always really worthwhile in IMAX. Definitely goes. 
protocol was. But um, I actually just saw this in a regular screening. Okay. Um, I think I think the experience you had is what I experienced by reading the book, uh, where it's just not, yeah, almost like a joyride to read. And I, I hate to be the guy where it's like, oh, the book was so much better. Um, There's been a lot they, of they, book turds that have been blogging angrily about this movie and how it does not – it butchers the the word of the book. Um, I, I, I disagree with that. There's changes that you have to make to make it into a movie, to make it compelling. Like, for instance, the challenges, first of all, like in the book, there you go and get this key, and then you take the key to a gate, and the gate opens, and that affords you the clue to the next key. So it's like double the um, okay. uh, the things you have to do. But like in the book, for instance, the first key, key and the reason no one solved it for five years it's it's like you stumble onto this um the, this like vol- hollowed out volcano where there's like a dungeons and dragons layer and you have to like beat this one this some guy in a in a game of joust um you know what a snooze that you can't watch a guy play a video game um yeah for for a movie, um, so you think this? But, they instead they do this epic car race where you can have the DeLorean and all these different fun cars and and yeah, and that that's more that's more compelling for to see on screen. But at the same time, you're like, uh, do they just create this car race just for the the action set piece, and so they can turn this into a ride down the down the road? And uh, yeah. you're just like you're kind of like so aware of the you know the the Spielberg universal machine the marketing machine behind it yeah everything's kind of linked to how they can turn this into like you know entertainment or or you know real world sort of marketing ploy and uh just stuff like that just kind of irks me a little bit where it's like this hot reels racetrack and then the fact that like no one has solved this in five years no one's tried going backwards at all it's a little unbelievable whereas i will say in the book it's like this First of all, this kid goes to school every day in the Oasis, um, and he's he's just a regular kid. He doesn't have any money. He can't buy any cool shit, but he's like obsessed with the the history of uh, his Halliday character. Yeah, okay. yeah, and he likes he studies his ass off every single day. He's watching hours and hours of his favorite shows. He you can quote all of this guy's favorite movies and shows, and he just knows like everything about this guy. And the first gate is like located on this like. This uni- this school planet. So like, no one ever goes there because they're all off exploring the wonders of the oasis. Meanwhile, this guy can't get off his you know his home planet because he goes to school there and he doesn't have any credits to leave world. So that's why it, I think Spielberg in his prime would have focused on that. This like kid just going to school and like this nothing. He kind of whereas in the movie, this guy's instantly a rock star. And he's like he 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 always performs well in the race, regardless. And then he figures it out. I think like if you look at the kids in Spielberg movies like E.T. and you know stuff like that, it's yeah. like these these kids from like Middle America, um, and they they rise to greatness. I think I I don't know why that was missing. And I I think it's you know Spielberg's off his game, and I haven't really enjoyed a movie of his. The, so the you're of, you're a little off on this movie. Then you give them the Joaquin Phoenix thumbs down, Gladiator style. Not a thumbs down. It was still fun, um, and I don't think it was like a horrific disaster as our friends at the watch went off on this whole oh, tirade God, about. Man. And they get kind of preachy and up their own asses sometimes. But yeah, I, yeah, they do. No, I really, I, I thought it was a lot of fun, and and I guess going into it with uh, 
limited or lower expectations probably led to that. So a lot of times I do the inverse of that with myself and I build something up and build an experience up too much. And then it it always lets me down kind of in the same way, you know, a a drinking holiday like New Year's Eve will always let me down because you build this up, build this up, make these plans. And then inevitably it's never going to be as fun. But then sometimes the best nights of your life end up being these kind of impromptu, let's give it a shot kind of kind of nights. And I I guess that's kind of what happened with me. Um, did you, speaking of middle America, I, I did get upset that the fastest growing center of, of America, at least in 2047 is going to be Columbus, Ohio. Uh, just being a, yeah. a Michigan fan. <laughs> it's like, God, God damn it. Fuck Columbus, Ohio. Uh, well, that, that's just cause that's like holidays hometown. That's where the Oasis was started. Yeah. Well, they started worldwide phenomenon. So that's where they're going to build up the, you know, the infrastructure of the, you know, it's essentially like Silicon Valley, you know, that's yeah. where Microsoft was created. So now it's like the epicenter of tech tech. So that's just how that worked out. Um, I, mean, well, I think f- the author may have been from Ohio. I don't know. But uh, the, the part, the Wade character, Parcival, he actually grows up in a ghetto of Oklahoma City and he moves to Ohio um, after the stacks blow up. Oh, OK. Um, and the problem I had as well is like when they track the rebellion, and it's like this dude with the facial face face tattoo. tattoo is out to the he's out to the farmers market, you know, because like leeks are in season, so he he wants to you know he's bringing back some green garlic, and then they're you know they're having a nice fry up, and it's just like you have this incredibly specific huge face tattoo, and you're like go go out in public. Meanwhile, you're harboring these wanted criminals. It's so. Yeah. It's a, it was a little cheese ball, but, um, but there that's is uh, a lot. I know. I just. Um, I didn't think. I don't think he's got it anymore, man. But oh, I, I did. I, I His. He was almost nominated, if not for a ton of, a uh, ton of backlash for the all dudes nomination for, uh, for the Oscars. He probably gets nominated for the post. I thought this movie. Uh, and, and again fans of the book maybe uh, having some backlash but i think a lot of people are going to end up enjoying this book uh there's there's probably going to be easter eggs and easter eggs and there's going to be a list made of all the references that that were in here all the pop culture references i i think a lot of people had a lot of fun with this so i think you're offbeat in that no no i i don't, I don't think so. i'm not saying like yeah post was cool and i liked it but i'm saying he's he doesn't have the magic of uh of his blockbuster anymore i i don't think this was anywhere close to what he could have done okay. um if he was if he was firing on all cylinders and and easter eggs and and references just having like the halo guys storming into battle and, and it, it was I, I thought uh the reference level in um uh the south park three-parter where the imagination land was more interesting um, well, of course. And speaking of South Park, did you feel that this was a little bit of Randy and World of Warcraft with Stan? Stan! I love you, Stan! I've never taken... The the only time that Stan or Randy has ever told Stan that he loves him is through his avatar <laughs> in World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> and, Wait, uh, you, you mean as like the, the, the parents and everybody getting involved in this game? Well, just the world of... The, how Randy gets into World of Warcraft and it's the end of the yeah, world yeah. of Warcraft. And Randy has to get yeah. the, the key, and he has to go play at Best Buy. He has to go give Stan this this magical sword to save the world of Warcraft. Yeah, no, that, <clears throat> that's an hell. That's such a hilarious episode. And there's a lot of parallels in here with uh, you know, uh, with the characters. But uh, I, what did you think? the The cast is pretty loaded in this thing. 
Uh, first, you got Ty Sheridan, who I keep getting him. Can, there's three dudes in Hollywood that are that are I get mixed up all the time. It's this guy, the dude that's playing Han Solo, uh, that Alden Ender like yeah, guy, yeah. and then the kid from Baby Driver. What did that, that twirl so simple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kid's playing Han Solo. The kid uh, from Baby Driver. I mean, that's the only thing he's done. I mean, I, I get uh, I, I associate Ty Sheridan more so with. Uh, with the, what's the guy's name from Backlash? Um, oh uh, yeah, Miles Miles, Miles Teller. Teller. Miles Teller. You got Michael B. Jordan. All the all these guys coming up around the same time. I um, I I kind of I like Ty Sheridan. No, he's good. I mean, uh, I really liked. Remember, he was in Mud. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, Mud. Yeah, he was he was really good in that. The start of the uh, reconnaissance. Yeah, the the very beginning of it. The origin story yeah. of Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey's and, comeback. Then he did that movie Joe with uh, Nicolas Cage, um, which I remember being kind of cool too. And and now he's like a block, you know, he's a bankable star. Yeah, and he's another... X Men and and this. Um, so then you've. What's got... funny about? Oh, sorry, because uh, were you gonna say it's funny about what? No, just I was, I was, it's just funny that in the book there's so many Spielberg references. It's, it's yeah, he's referencing like a... his own pop culture almost. It was I thought that was kind of funny too. Where you got even because well, he produced. He... Back to the Future, so all the Zemeckis, like the Zemeckis Cube yeah. and the DeLorean, but then you've got the T-Rex from uh, Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot more of that in the book because it was almost like the the writer or the author was uh, loved the Sp- Spielberg movies, and I think he, um, Spielberg himself, maybe took himself out of some of them. The narrative a little bit. What was your favorite um, reference? That was made. I mean, the best. Hat- uh, go ahead. I'll ask you for. I'll let you answer. answer the no, question. no. Go, go ahead. Mine go ahead. obviously was The Shining. Uh, that whole Shining bit was fantastic, and the audience just roared when the uh, the the H who had never seen the movie accidentally stumbles across the room, the room two thirty seven, and mm-hmm. and jumps in there, and everyone's just like, "Oh my god, they're gonna go there." Uh, you know, and they did it in a, in a really cool way. Uh, they blocked some of the frontal nudity, which. Uh, I kind of appreciated because that's just super gross when that comes up in the movie. But uh, that yeah, whole chase like, scene, and then when all those uh, all those IOI guys are trying to break the code uh, of that level, and they just keep getting like murdered over and over again, and they're just screaming and hollowing in that game center, that war room, yeah, just, ah! just getting butchered by uh, uh, Jack Nicholson and his friends. I thought that was pretty fun. That was the coolest um, uh, departure. Um, although the zombies thing, I thought was kind of lame. But uh, the uh, yeah, yeah, implementing him into the the Shining was really cool because because in in the book, and actually this was a bummer for me. Um, a similar, there's a similar task, but it involves um, uh, uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, where okay. you're kind of pl- you're you're placed into the shoes of the main character, and it's a, it's called a voice sync where the movie happens and then you have to pick up the dialogue of the main characters, uh, which is the only thing that I could have accomplished uh, were I playing the Oasis. Yeah. Um, so, but but obviously, you know, it's like a, it's karaoke for a movie. You can't have that in a no. film. Um, I love that there's an idea where the higher your reference level for this kind of shit, the more powerful you can become in the world. And it just gives someone like me, and they'd be like, oh, great, I'd love to live in that time. Because I, I feel like I'm pretty adept at at least, maybe not the gaming stuff so much, but the film and television culture. 
uh, and you're just like, oh my god, like, of course, this, this movie, like, this specific reason why you would be into this, blah, 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 I just thought that was really cool. Uh, but, uh, back to, back to the cast, you've got Ben Mendelsohn, who we talk about a lot on here. Uh, I thought he mm-hmm. was pretty cool as the, he, he's just a great villain, villain-ass kind of guy. Uh, like, yeah. liked him. Um, the first villain I remember seeing him in was in the, uh, what was the, the Brad Pitt where he was the, the hitman killing him softly. And, and Ben Mendelsohn was kind of like the drugged out, uh, hit, uh, drugged out robber kind of guy. That was the first time. Oh, but he's done a yeah. he's done the kind of bad guy a lot, and even in Bloodline, obviously. But I liked Ben Mendelsohn. You've got Simon Pegg, T.J. Miller did the voice of uh, a pretty funny character, and then T.J. Yeah, that was a great addition. Uh, and T.J. Miller just does a great job with with his wheelhouse, uh, just bring in his humor. Yeah, nerd. Um, that was kind a, of that. That this is the perfect thing for him, like the nerdy kind. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. That that was a that was an added character, and I thought that was a great addition. Uh, Mark Rylance, who was making some very interesting choices. What did you think of Rylance in this? Yeah, he was fine. It's kind of about what you imagine, you know, the Bill Gates of of you know nerdum uh, or video game culture. It's yeah, it's about what I expected that character to be. I thought he did a fine job. Yeah, so uh, it was it was pretty loaded in that regard. I. Uh, if I had to pick some nits for this, uh, some of the, the character work I felt was a little underdeveloped. Um, I really yeah. didn't the, – the, 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 the core five, the group of five, I thought was actually relatively underdeveloped. And it was like when you get this kid and it's like, oh, you're this ninja battle. Like you're the most badass 11-year-old ever. And it's like he's been in one – this character, even in the Oasis, has been in one scene. Like I don't – I didn't get – I didn't get kind of the team atmosphere uh, for, yeah. for him to go, you know, and they, I know they all kind of help him towards the, the back third of the movie, but you know, they're, they're introduced very sparingly in the beginning and then very late mm-hmm. uh, his relationship with his aunt and that whole like, no aunt, get out of the trailer. No, they, you'd only seen her in one other scene with her douchey boyfriend. I really didn't, that didn't connect enough to me. Like if, if, if something blows up and a, and a character blows up, for the sake of the lead character's arc, and you really don't care about that first character blowing up, I think that's a problem yeah. in your storytelling. So I, I thought yeah. that some of that was underdeveloped. <clears throat> and even Simon Pegg in his relationship with Halliday and the whole signing the contract, I mean, they're they're used so sparingly that I didn't necessarily invest in that relationship and the motivators for Halliday. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's the main detractor that a lot of people have said, where um, the the lack of um, depth and development of characters. Uh, but there, there's a lot of story to tell, and there's a lot of fun to be had. Yeah. So it was kind of a balancing act. Um, but like I said, they decided to spend more screen time on a Flash Hot Reels race scene in the beginning than, than doing, doing some character development. So that's where they decided to spend their money and, and time. I think, uh, like I was saying earlier... Um, was it if it was vintage Spielberg, we'd see more of like the a quiet, um, dysfunctional, um, at home scene and then kind of, yeah, the I, I, just more of the quiet moments where this kid's just out on his and, and yeah, the, the scene thing, with him and his aunt, you know, and then that would play bigger when that trailer explodes, and yeah, gets him kind of in that, like, I'm gonna risk it all for you know, because this is kind of bleeding into the real world now. Another thing, yeah, I, I, I kind of had an well, issue with was 
the whole sentiment of we we spend three quarters of this movie in the oasis and it's this kind of wonder world and you know this extravaganza but then we're kind of lectured at the end about how important the real world is and it just kind of seemed like a mixed message to me. It's like, well, you know, yeah, it was. Up, you know, and it's like we just spent like hours celebrating digging into pop culture, video games, movies, kind of the importance that can have. And then it's like, oh, but the real world's, you know, where it's at. So turn all this off. <laughs> like, well, what? Yeah. Like, like we're going to shut it down Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like, what if this is how people make a living in the Oasis? They they, they sell gear to whatever. And they, that's how they earn a living and, and eat in the real world. I mean, there's. You can't just because you've won the jackpot and you get a sick new uh, loft apartment doesn't mean that like yeah. people can afford to be. This is how you. How make are money you making the real reality. world a better place then? Like you're just yeah. going to turn off the oasis so people go hang out in the real world, but it's still miserable. Yeah, so you, I, so you get to make so you get to make out with your girlfriend in your your flash new apartment. And, yeah, and then her. Yeah, that was a little lame. Her character arc of like, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to get comfortable with the birthmark on my face, so I'm going to put a birthmark on my avatar. I thought that was kind of like, ah, whatever. <laughs> but again, yeah. I'm, I'm nitpicking here. I'm, I'm picking nits. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. Overall, well, what? Go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the character of Wade seemed a little bit too old because like he almost didn't really give a shit. It's like uh, he's essentially an adult. But I, I just pictured him as more of like like a kid, almost like like Elliot and E.T. to go back to that where, you know, he, he, he is living at home or blah 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 but he escapes and he goes to school and he, he's kind of doing his own thing um but he's just a little kid you know and he he's just uh, an enthusiastic smart kid and um i just wish they had more more of that in there as opposed to like a guy that doesn't really give a shit about uh his you know his and he's you know he's a uh, orphan and you know, his extended family is, is shitty so he escapes into the oasis i think Giving a, a more of a sense that this was like an, a, an escape form, but it was also this guy who was so up against it, like he didn't have a single advantage in the world, and his avatar was like the like the absolute base costume, and he couldn't afford anything. I, yeah. think, I think that would have spoken more than he just immediately is walking in there like like uh, like the dude, and then. Yeah, well, anyway. Do you, so there's been kind of a movement, and it's it's been going on for about 10 years, maybe even dating back to the uh, the Tomb Raiders with Angelina Jolie, but, you know, trying to make video games into movies. And they even did it recently with uh, Jumanji, like kind of dusting off the cobwebs of Jumanji, but having it being kind of a video, video game player setting. Uh, do you think – what's kind of the most successful video game to movie – Trans translation or transition you've ever seen. I thought this one was very effective in terms of giving you a video uh, a, a video game player atmosphere but mixing it in with the thematic elements of a movie. Yeah, well, that's different. It, it's based on a novel. It's not based on a... It's not a, a video game adaptation. I, I don't... Video game adaptations are hard. I mean, the Hitman movies were bad. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, they tried to do a Halo thing a bunch of times and that's never gone off the ground. Um, it's really tough to do. I, I don't think there's ever Scott been... Pilgrim was kind of, but again, that's a novel that has video game themes that's made into a movie, which is a, is a yeah. different genre. Yeah, I think it's so hard to do. I mean, I was really excited for. I, I think, I think the Uncharted series could have been an example of a successful adaptation, but they never really. They they didn't get it done in time to because you really need Nathan Fillion for that role. He would have been absolutely perfect. Um, were he in good shape, 
Um, but that's that's so his character. And then they tried to do it with Mark Wahlberg, which would have been so yep, annoying. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg playing like an Indiana Jones character. Ah, that would have been awful. It's really hard to do. Um, but I, I thought this was cool. It was a lot of fun. I And going back on your question, I think my favorite reference was uh, when the Iron Giant slips into that pool of lava and he gives that thumbs up, that T2 reference. Yeah, yeah. Snuck in there. That was cool. Um, Little James Cameron. And then you got uh, what like the there's like a lot of hidden stuff in like the Overwatch characters, which uh, won Game of the Year a couple years ago. They they were front and center. Um, and that that final, I thought the third act was really cool. That they did a nice job of that final big battle. That scene. battle scene. You got the Ninja Turtles fighting at, uh, you know, yeah, Freddy Krueger and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that was well realized. I do think South Park did it better though, but they usually do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just go watch world of warcraft and uh you know end of the world of and warcraft a, and, and and imagination land, land. you'll get all the gear references and video imagination and that's going to be our play out today thank you mr hayes a little imagination speaking of uh let's cut away from ready player one um and uh check in on uh fractured butthole island hey i've i've just got the game i've probably about a couple hours into it and um just as because I know you're planning to get it eventually, maybe. Uh, eventually, maybe yes. <laughs> but uh, but so far it's um it's it's really it's 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 fun. Uh, I think Stick of Truth may have been funnier from the get go. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a learning curve and it's kind of slow to get out of the gate. But uh, once you run into characters like Randy and you gotta you gotta fight you know wine drunk Randy who's like fighting with Cheryl on the phone and he's got his pants down at his ankles and then you go you go to this like uh strip club and there's you gotta like try to track down classy oh. with a dick <laughs> classy with an i no with a dick that hangs off the c and fucks the l out of the ass <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that is super fun is, uh, butter, it's just is like, that butter's bottom bitch reference uh, that's uh, no, that's a reference to the episode where a Jimmy, um, the talent show episode. Ah, okay. Where we also get introduced to Buca de Fagaccini's. Of course, man. Does the game take? It, have you been to Buca de Fagaccini's yet in the game? Yeah, I have. Oh, that's have. fantastic. Got the, this, the, the, this game is loaded with the uh, with like you know just fan service. Um, if I made a uh, if I made an oasis, half of the levels would just be uh, living in South Park in that game. Uh huh. <laughs> That's essentially what this game is. You pretty much go into every single uh, place of business and, and home. <laughs> go to Shitty Walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to Shitty Walk. There's uh, there's Morgan Freeman who owns like a taco shop, Freeman's Tacos, and he kind of teaches you how to make different burritos and and. And uh, and how to learn the power of the fart, whereas Soto Sopa in, uh, there, yeah. You, oh my see, god! Uh, welcome home. There's there, there's Soto Sopa. There's you know there's the wine bar. There's there's the lofts. Oh, the lofts <laughs> at Soto Sopa at, at Kenny's house. Yeah. Historic look, of um, beautiful Kenny's. But house. it's yeah, it's a lot of fun so far. So I'm excited to have you get on it and see what you think. Um, I know you're not like a an RPG kind of guy, but uh, the surrounding mechanics of the world are um, are pretty fun. No, no, yeah. you've sold me. I've, you know, and I'm coming off a high of uh, you know Ready Player One, so I'm feeling more video gamey. I just have to get a new system, and then I'll uh, get it get it in there. 
Yeah, uh, moving on from the uh, from the number one movie of the or the moment, I guess the my new show anyway. I think maybe yours as well. Barry on HBO. Yes, my new show. Uh, yeah, Sun- Sunday nights on HBO are it's always great. I mean, I know you never got into Game of Thrones, but that's it's like the last kind of water cooler place to watch tv yeah um, because netflix and amazon it's it's so streamable so everyone's on different length everyone's no don't i'm only yeah. on episode six you're on episode nine don't mm-hmm. talk yet and you know sundays on hbo they roll them out episodically one week after another and yep. you're able to kind of discuss and pre you know uh, theorize what's going to happen next week it's you're exactly right it's the last water cooler I mean, I know Showtime's kind of up there um, with the, some of the stuff they have going on. Um, you're in a more niche crowd F- if you're a Showtime guy. Yeah, you are. You are. Uh, and then FX is making a big push. They got a lot out there right now with, like, you know, trust and, and whatever else they have going on mm-hmm. in their show. Um, but, uh, yeah, HBO Sunday nights for me looks like uh, yeah, I start off with Silicon Valley. I go right into Barry, and I finish up with Last Week Tonight. And then, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Westworld back. Um, yeah, I'm excited so it's for gonna that. Be a, it's going to be a jam-packed Sunday night on HBO. Yeah, we're going to have very interesting uh, conversations on Sundays there. End of the end. Of yeah, the week. So, so we're two episodes in. Um, what, what do you think so far? I like it. It's definitely interesting. He's, he's mixing – it feels like two shows in one, and it's only a half-hour show, so that's saying a lot. With the mm-hmm. whole uh, him and Steven Root and the whole Hitman uh, hook that this show has. But then all the inside baseball uh, actor stuff that's going on in Hollywood. And I'm really more drawn to all the times the Hitman stuff happens. I kind of turn my brain off. Uh, and I really like his work with the acting troupe and, and Henry Winkler and that shitty kind of acting class. Uh, <laughs> Henry Winkler is killing it, man. Yeah, he, well, he's, he's got so two good. mentors, right? He's got the Steven Root. Uh, side of his life, and then Henry Henry Winkler is his acting yeah. coach. Uh, and Fuchs. Yeah, w- w- when he makes, especially in, in episode two where they find out that the guy's been murdered in the acting class, and, and he, he gives them a day of reflection but lets them know that reflection is part of the lesson so they will all be charged. And he needs to be absolutely clear that this will be a class that has that is, that is pr- charged. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that moment, like he, 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 he leaves gathers the screen. To, yeah, <laughs> he gathers everybody in his classroom to to tell them that someone's been murdered and to use it in their work, and then calls time on class, and then repeatedly makes it known that they will be charged the full. Yeah, he leaves the frame <laughs> of the shot and then comes back yeah. in seconds later to to just reiterate that they will be charged for class because there is a lesson that he just taught them. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. And then like Bill Hader is like a ruthless killer is is interesting. Yeah. Um, if if you waited for the talk back at the end, he's like, yeah, the first time we shot that scene where I like popped three three bullets in each of these guys' heads, you know, I was like cringing and like looking away and like, oh, this isn't gonna work. So the fact that he's gotten to that spot where he looks like he's actually a, a really um unapologetic master of murder. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting, interesting to see him in that. And he's a really versatile actor, I think, since yeah. he might be 
it's very close between him and Will Ferrell in terms of my favorite performer that's come out of SNL since the Mike Myers, Chris Farley days. Uh, out of all these guys that have come through, because I really like Will Forte, Sudeikis. Uh, it's uh, of the so last it, it 20 years. It was Sudeikis years, before these guys, yeah. Uh, of the last like 20 years, I think Bill Hader might be my favorite. And, it, and he has shown that he is not just a voice character guy, uh, but he just has... In, incredible range in terms of what he can do and, and, and did you see the skeleton twins with him and Kristen Wiig that's one of your friends Kristen Wiig do you see that movie no I, no 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 I heard it was pretty cool yeah uh, does she get like naked in it and he's so good at it and you know he he's he's a he's her gay twin brother but he's you know he's very believable and he plays it you know he doesn't he commits he doesn't comment on it uh you know it's not just like a big gay joke he it's just a very believable he's been He's been great as like the brother or stepbrother in a lot of movies. Yeah. Like what was like the um, that what's her name? Um that stand-up comedian, the the chick who did that movie with the LeBron James and then, Oh, Amy uh, Amy Williams. Schumer and he was like yeah, the, Amy, he was the boyfriend, right? He was the doctor boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Train wreck. Train wreck. Yeah. And then yeah, he's always playing these like little brother characters and always really funny yeah but this is uh it's it's a very interesting role and i just love that all the acting class and it's a little inside i'm wondering how much a general audience is going to take to it or if it's just going to be a show for performers and actors but all the all the scene work and they're all from movies they're all basically just doing impressions of their favorite movies and that first scene he does is just from true romance and it's ridiculous like if any it's so it's so cringeworthy because having been in those classes, you're like, oh, God. But his yeah. his comment of just like, yeah, apparently in L.A. everyone just does scenes from movies. And that's their, <laughs> their acting lessons and their monologues are all from just different reenactments of, of movie monologues. And how yeah. far away that's going to actually teach you anything about performance art is, is very funny to me. Uh, and then they're, they're doing doubt. She's trying to do doubt in terms of, oh, this, this, doubt always works. It's always, this, this always murders. And he, he mm-hmm. doesn't know that it's a pedophile thing. And I don't know. It was, I, I just think the, all the inside actor stuff is really gonna, gonna have me touching my nose and saying, yep, you got that one. You nailed that bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and have, having been to those classes, like shitty little acting classes out in the valley, and then just like the absolute sadness of desperation <laughs> that permeates in the room, uh, it, it is it, it not really hits close to home, but it's definitely like a little of an inside joke. So yeah, I do wonder if a uh, general audience is going to find it funny that they're just making fun of these crappy improv class. I, I think it's I think it's objectively funny, um, to, especially to see this cold-blooded killer get up there and simply read a line real fast and then like turn around and get an applause get and, bit by the like, bug and... yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh i think i found my calling <laughs> yeah i could be really good yeah no you're terrible you're all was that an improv uh what oh well, story shit but you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty yeah good. that dynamic is a lot of fun. So uh, I'll be watching that every Sunday. I'm excited to have that. Um, oh yeah, now that you got any, you got any other shows? I mean, I know you're catching up on comedians in cars. Yeah, I'm um, almost through comedians in cars. Uh, just just rewatched the Bill Burr episode. Uh, so I, I've been I've been catching up on Better Call Saul. That's coming back this fall. So I'll be Better Call Saul coming back this fall. Uh, I'll be watching that. Um, but no, I, I'm kind of uh, dry in terms of shows right now. Uh, comedians and cars is, is just kind of my Saturday, Sunday 
fun watch. Do you? Is this the first time you've watched these episodes? No, I. Me and Greg used to watch them when we lived together. Yeah. A friend of the pod, Greg Ott, and he, you know, we would just jump around to just different people that were interesting. And so right, once it right, came out too. on Netflix, I would go back to. Uh, I went back to the beginning, and I'm just watching them all in uh, cons- uh, succession. So. Uh, you know, just kind of watching everybody even, you know, just to kind of get a just different perspectives, just mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, so my favorite one so far, having uh, not done the jump around, is Kristen Wiig. I thought she is hilarious. Uh, and I also think that it's very interesting because some of these people uh, have that were on comedians in the last three years have died. Uh, like Gary Shanling yeah. and Don Rickles. Uh, and so it's it's kind of just interesting to see them kind of talking about death and then knowing in just a matter of a year or two that they're going to be dead, especially the Shandling episode. Yeah, yeah especially that one, because the title is It's a Good Thing Gary Shandling's Still Alive. Yeah. Um, but the Chris and Wig one I thought was okay. I, I, I always have more fun when it's a comedian because it's more like there's two buddies hanging out. With Chris and Wig, it's like he, he's like going down the list of questions like an interviewer. I think he, he kind of like ran out of things to say. And, uh, but and it's the, cool to kind of – The little bits that she has at the just kind of just falling into different characters. Like when he would bring up a premise and then she would just take it and run and do some fun bits. I don't know. I just felt like I was belly laughing a lot during hers, just the premises that would come up in the episode. Yeah, it's cool to see her, like, reluctant kind of uh, genius um, on display and how she just, like, walks around the world and, and gathers characters from what she sees. Yeah. But the episodes are funner when Jerry's having a good time and they, they're, they like, kind of being a – when you're throwing it back and forth and they're kind of both mm-hmm. in on the, in on it, uh, like, like reminiscing. Like, the Larry David episode's great. But the, Brian um, Regan. My favorite – Brian Regan, that's the, that's probably one of my favorite comedians, or he definitely was for a while. Um, the uh, Harold Stern one, I loved a lot. Yeah, that was a really good one. He's and really good in those settings. Wh- what a fantastic! I mean, that guy's. I mean, he's the king of radio for a reason. What a great interviewer, and he he was the guest, but he 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 had to turn it around and make it about get, getting some sex. Yeah, Jerry, let's out of talk Jerry. about your sex life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it like, he's he has a way of just putting people on the spot making them uncomfortable but getting ah, I, I and nobody does that to jerry really they're all kind of just playing along with them and yeah. he kind of really turned the tables yeah on he puts them. it so really you know like he, he, he kind of puts the screws on them and he it makes makes them squirm a little bit which is fun because yeah everyone else is kind of jerking jerry off a little bit uh especially jimmy fallon it's the, the Howard Stern one is the complete opposite of Jimmy Fallon, where he's just like, oh, Jerry, Gosh, you're so great. Oh, yeah, my God, everything yeah. you do is just hilarious. Oh, oh, I can't believe I'm in this boat. Oh, man, wow. And then and Stern's like, no, Jerry, we're not going to sit here and play bullshit. I need answers from you. I want to get to what people want to know. I know. Let, 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 let's get to the root of the, the, the issue. When, when do you masturbate, Jerry? When, when, when do you, well, let's, let, let's, let's talk about, uh, like, what do you think about when you're having I sex? used to love uh, when Howard Stern would come on uh, Letterman, and he would just go, Dave, how do we get to number one? Leno keeps kicking your ass. I hate Leno. Yeah. Like, he just he just <laughs> says, he like, there's the... I, he's so great. Yeah. There's no bullshit. I, yeah. I gotta start watching the, his show. I just... I think the format of his show is so much like there's so many assholes that he surrounds himself with. Yeah, or... yeah. Like I don't give a fuck about Artie Lang. Let's. Yeah, like, I if know. If it was just him and a guest, almost comedians in car style, I would be a lot more I interested know. than oh, Baba Booey's gonna fucking eat a pile oh, of ice Bobby cream Bobby out Bobby of her ass. Yeah, I know. God damn it. 
Um, but I, I have to say the, my favorite episodes by far on Comedians and Cars are the Bob Einstein episodes. The second one more so than the I first. I haven't got to the well, either of them yet. Oh, really? They're actually they're almost back to back and and how they, I don't know how they have it set up like single shot, fresh and light, dark roast. I, I don't know how they determined how to put this in order, but I don't know why they just didn't why they didn't do it chronologically. It doesn't really make any sense. Mm. But um that they're essentially back to back on the last uh last season. season. Yeah. yeah. There's one in between them. Um but the one where he tells him he's going to give him this Acura if he turns in a good performance on the show and then he just starts rifling off these jokes and it's oh it's so great that's such a fun one and then yeah, yeah well I'll, I'll let i'll let you get to it um real quick i wanted to ask you uh do you plan to watch trust on fx having not watched um all the money in the world because they're both about the exact same story no do you think i haven't i've been meaning to watch all the money in the world but again it's a Wahlberg movie which makes me a little turned off but uh no i i don't have plans on either of them are you going to watch trust um i'm i'm half interested um just because the story of the 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 gaudis is is kind of interesting or the gettys i mean because of yeah, John you know, Paul like, Getty. yeah and then because out here in la you got the getty center and the getty villa they're like these gorgeous uh museums that are incredibly well run through like the getty trust and i didn't really know about this italian mafia kidnapping the son and ransoming the you know the getty so i, I didn't really know about the story at all so i'm kind of interested to check it out um and I, it sounds like the show is kind of better than the movie because they had to abort that because of the whole kevin spacey thing yeah yeah it, it kind of fell under the radar so it would take less time to get the story by watching the movie but it seems like it's trust. It kind of looks like the, um, well, it, uh, well, like American Crime Story, or whatever. It kind of looks like that level of detail. It might play into the point you were making about Darkest Hour, where the story is just too too broad to try to accomplish in two hours, and it might service itself better as a series. In yeah, that regard, yeah, exactly. And kind of how you were how, how you were talking about uh, Darkest Hour. I, I, it it might actually. You're right. It'll take more time to get it in, but it might it might be done more thoroughly. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, yeah. I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll check in on that yeah. later. I need a show, so I'll, I'll if you're gonna give it a go, I'll give it a go, and then maybe we'll uh, inspire some of our listeners to give it a go. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll watch the pilot here. Yeah. Why not? Um, all right, man. Well, good chatting with you. Good chatting nice with you. Solid analysis. Yeah, let's play us out with some imagination. Imagination. Thank you, everybody, yeah, for listening. Imagination. All right, bye. Bye. Imagination. 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 Imagination, 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 imagination. Imagination. Are you going to take us somewhere or not? Oh, 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 but my boy, we're already here.